Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1,121 of the Juicebox podcast. On today's show, I'll be speaking with Tacey. She has type 1 diabetes diagnosed in 2021. She was misdiagnosed with type 2 diabetes before that. Since then, she's switched doctors, learned to push back, and is taking control. Please don't forget that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. When you place your first order for AG1 with my link, you'll get five free travel packs and a free year supply of vitamin D. Drink ag1.com slash juice box. Don't forget to save 40% off of your entire order at CozyEarth.com. All you have to do is use the offer code JUICEBOX at checkout. That's JUICEBOX at checkout to save 40% at CozyEarth.com. If you're looking for community around type 1 diabetes, check out the JUICEBOX podcast private Facebook group, JUICEBOX podcast, type 1 diabetes. If you know someone who would make a great guest on the Cold Wind series, please send them my way. You can email me through juiceboxpodcast.com. U.S. Med is sponsoring this episode of the Juice Box Podcast, and we've been getting our diabetes supplies from U.S. Med for years. You can as well. usmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. Use the link or the number, get your free benefits check, and get started today with U.S. Med. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Hi, my name's Tacey. Um, I obviously have type 1 diabetes, and I live in Texas. Texas. Yes. Is it hot? It's very hot. Right now, it is 86 degrees. And it's 9.38 in the morning. Oh, yeah, that is hot. That's not We're good. supposed to hit 104 today. Oh, my goodness. Do you, are, are, do you live there on purpose? Or did someone yes, ab- so- abandon you there or something like that? <laughs> no, no, I've actually lived in Texas um, my entire life. And I really love living in Texas. I much prefer the heat to the cold. Yeah, well, I do agree with that. The heat to the cold thing makes a lot of sense to me. Um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? Um, I was, I'll let you do the math because you're good at it. I was diagnosed in 2021 Okay. and I will be 37 in October. Well, this is not hard at all. It's, it's two years and you were about like 34, 35 years old, depending on when your birthday was. Yep. Oh my God. I can subtract two from things all day long. Tacey, don't even test me. Okay. Watch this. 98 minus two, 96. It's crazy, right? (laughs) (laughs) In the relationship, my husband is the math person, and I am the words person. I can do it with larger numbers. 1,800,057 minus 2, 1 million, blah, blah, blah. You know what I mean? You just take two off. (laughs) It's very simple. Uh, I would have done it for you just then, but I forgot the number that I made up. So, uh, (laughs) all right. What makes you want to come on the podcast? Um, So, last year, you were looking for people that were on Omnipod 5. I and I had just been on Omnipod 5, um, actually, for like a couple of weeks when you posted something. Um, and so now I've been on Omnipod 5 for a while now. And I'm actually not even using automation mode anymore. Interesting. Um, I'm running it in manual mode because it wasn't that great. So you were having trouble. Oh, this isn't. Oh, good, good. Let's dig through this. I like this. Okay. So first of all, let's find out a couple of things. You've had diabetes yeah. for a couple of years. You started out with what kind of management? Um, when I very first started, I was MDI. Um, so long, long lasting at night and then a shot of fast acting for meals. Okay. Um, so you were doing, do you know, do you remember what your basal insulin was back then? Uh, <laughs> uh, y- yes, because it has significantly changed. Um, when I first started, my basal was about 20 units. Okay. And my carb ratio was like one to five, mm-hmm. one to seven or so. And 
it was a lot of trial and error figuring things out. I think my situation was slightly different than most other people because I was mistakenly diagnosed as type two Mm -hmm. prior to getting the official type one diagnosis. And I was so proud of myself because I was doing all of the things. Um, I went full blown like keto, low carb. Um, well, I don't say really keto because I wasn't doing super high fat. It was mainly just really extremely low carb. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly started losing all of this weight and I was so proud of myself, but my blood sugars were still in the 200s even after eating lettuce. <laughs> and the doctor I was seeing at the time was like, uh, you're not trying hard enough. That's pretty normal. These numbers really aren't that high. And I'm like, I'm really uncomfortable with all of this. Can you please send me to an endocrinologist? So right away they were like, um, yeah, you have type one and your A1C is 10.5 and we need to work on that. What, what, um, made you so sure that you should go to an endocrinologist right away? Like, do you know something about diabetes before you got it? So I did have gestational diabetes with both of my pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And so they were so strict with that about like the any number really higher than which I think is funny now because they used like 180. They wanted everything to be under 180. Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, 180 is so high. They wanted all the numbers to be under 180. So where I was consistently having these numbers in the 200s, 250s, and I knew I wasn't eating anything with carbs in it. It it, it was kind of weirding me out. And I think everything just kind of aligned because at the same time, that I was struggling and my numbers were so high. My mom was like, Oh, by the way, your uncle was just diagnosed with this thing called LADA, like type 1.5. I don't really know anything about it. Do you think that that's what you have? And so that was really the pushing factor to be like, my numbers are really high. Uh, this doctor's telling me that I'm not trying hard enough and that I'm cheating when I know for a fact that I'm not. Right. And so that was kind of yeah. the pushing factor. I'd like to talk to your manager, please. Diabetes comes with a lot of things to remember, so it's nice when someone takes something off of your plate. U.S. Med has done that for us. When it's time for Arden's supplies to be refreshed, we get an email. Rolls up and in your inbox says, Hi Arden, this is your friendly reorder email from U.S. Med. You open up the email, it's a big button that says, Click here to reorder, and you're done. Finally, somebody taking away a responsibility instead of adding one. U.S. Med has done that for us. An email arrives, we click on a link, and the next thing you know, your products are at the front door. That simple. usmed.com slash juicebox or call 888-721-1514. I never have to wonder if Arden has enough supplies. I click on one link, I open up a box, I put the stuff in the drawer, and we're done. US Med carries everything from insulin pumps and diabetes testing supplies to the latest CGMs like the Libre 3 and the Dexcom G7. They accept Medicare nationwide, over 800 private insurers, and all you have to do to get started is call 888-721-1514 or go to my link, usmed.com slash juicebox. Using that number or my link helps to support the production of the Juicebox podcast. If you take insulin or sulfonylureas, you are at risk for your blood sugar going too low. You need a safety net when it matters most. Be ready with Gvoke HypoPen. My daughter carries Gvoke HypoPen everywhere she goes because it's a ready-to-use rescue pen for treating very low blood sugar in people with diabetes ages 2 and above that I trust. Low blood sugar emergencies can happen unexpectedly, and they demand quick action. Luckily, Gvokypopen can be administered in two simple steps, even by yourself in certain situations. Show those around you where you store Gvokypopen and how to use it. They need to know how to use Gvokypopen before an emergency situation happens. Learn more about why Gvokypopen is in Arden's Diabetes Toolkit at gvokeglucagon.com juicebox. Gvoke shouldn't be used if you have a tumor in the gland on the top of your kidneys called a pheochromocytoma, or if you have a tumor in your pancreas called an insulinoma. Visit gvokeglucagon.com slash risk for safety information. <laughs> <laughs> Is there someone above you I could speak with? <laughs> Looks like I've gotten all I can get out of you. That, that's beautiful. I'm, I'm really impressed that you were able to 
to make the push that quickly. And that's pretty terrific, actually. So you, um, you go along with MDI for how long? So I did MDI for about nine, nine months. Okay. And I'm sorry, the brand of basal insulin, do you remember it? Basaglar. Basaglar. Okay. Basaglar and Novolog. And Nova. All right, cool. So uh, when you decide to move to a pump, do you go right to an algorithm or do you go to a... No. No. I went to the dash. Okay. So no algorithm. Um, yeah, I was really fed up with doing shots and I was having a lot of trouble getting everything to be consistent. And I knew it was because I needed to tweak my basal, which is I was having a difficult time with on MDI. That, And so I knew if I got on a pump, I could make more immediate changes. Yeah, no, I understand. And and have have more control over everything, the finer controls. I have a question, though. Be- yeah. Before switching to the pump, what was your A1C? What was your variability? Like, what, what were your outcomes like day-to-day on MDI? So um, my A1C when I was doing MDI was 6.3. Mm-hmm. But the, and I don't remember the specifics, but the, the, like the standard deviation yeah. was really large, was really large. So you're bound, you were bouncing up and down and having a lot of lows. Yeah, I was having a lot of lows. And so then I was still learning and trying to figure out what the heck I was doing. So I would overcorrect. So then I would go back high mm-hmm. and it was just like this ping pong and just really made me overall feel pretty crappy. Yeah, you were bouncing around. Okay. So you had probably an artificially lower A1C. Um, your standard, yeah. When you say a big standard deviation, do you mind telling people so they get a feeling for it? it was it in the 60s? I think it was closer to 75, honestly. Okay. All right. So is that because of the education you received? Were you not like, what do you think was happening back then? Yeah. So honestly, everything that I now know about diabetes, I have learned from Juicebox podcast and the, the Facebook group, especially um, seeing what other people are posting, because I didn't know about like the standard deviation and that, you know, that we're looking for, for it to be like a pretty smooth thing, as opposed to these, like, we're looking for waves, not cliffs and valleys, which I was definitely getting. Yeah. And also just about like, actually, like not being scared to use insulin. That was something that they told me. They're like, oh, well, you can't eat. You can no longer eat bananas. You can no longer eat. Like, you have to limit watermelon um, and all these things. And I'm like, so you want me to replace real food with these artificially flavored, or, you know, fake sweetener things? Mm-hmm. And that just didn't sound very logical to me. Good. Good for you. And so you were chasing your blood sugar around. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yeah. It was going high. You were going, I don't want to use too much insulin. And then eventually he's thinking, I got to do something. Crashing down low, overcorrecting because you're scared. Bounce, bounce, bounce. Yeah. Gotcha. And then it got to the point where I just was like, I'm just not going to eat because I don't want to do another shot that's going to be followed up by another shot. Yeah. No, I know. Because it, I'm all over the place. It's a pretty quick ride to that thought. Like, you know, to start having the unreasonable thought of like, food's the problem. And, yeah. you know, obviously using the insulin's correctly would be would be very valuable so okay so you've well you seem inquisitive so um when when you see this bouncing around you finally get tired of it i'm I'm going to think not just tired of it like oh i'm sick of this but like exhausted by it i'm guessing and and then how do you how do you make the leap to think there's information somewhere but i don't know where it is or how to get it so i started doing research what I didn't know at the time, um, earlier this year, I was diagnosed with ADHD, which explained a whole lot of things in my life that I didn't previously know. But one of those things that I call my ADHD superpower is hyper-focusing. Um, and so I just went on this type one hyper-focus rabbit trail and just started reading everything that I could, um, listening to a bunch of the podcasts, reading transcripts for the podcast because sometimes I get distracted and listening is not super productive for me. Um, but for some reason I could read the transcript and be like, okay, yeah, I know what's going on. Tacey, is that because my voice is intoxicating? How do you get lost in it? Exactly. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> 
I get distracted by other things. Like, so I'll be listening and then I'll be like, oh, look, I need to wipe up that mess that my kid left on the table. And then I start thinking about that and then realize that I have not listened to the past three minutes and I have no idea what is being said anymore. Gotcha. I understand. Um, Okay. So you can I ask how you find the podcast? Do you find it through Facebook or does somebody recommend it? I found it through Facebook. I tell you what, Facebook is great for the podcast. It's it's amazing how how many people come into the private Facebook group and say it, it, there's a question. It's like, where did you hear about the podcast from? And the amount of people who say like your doctor or this group or that group is lovely, but the ones that always stun me is everywhere. I don't know. I hear about it everywhere. I'm like, oh, good. Um, you know, so the the word gets around. So you get through Facebook. That, that seems reasonable. You get into my Facebook group. That helps you find the podcast. You find a balance for your ADHD between listening and reading. Or do you go into the like the management series? Because that's what you're interested in most when you get there, right? Is trying to figure out. Yes. Yeah. Which one do you know? Do you know which ones you used? The basics are the ones that I started with. Bold beginnings. Bold beginnings. Yes. Okay. By the way, I'm doing market research while I'm also interviewing you. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, so you get into those. They lead you, what, into a mindset that's different? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because interestingly enough, I started, so as soon as I had an inkling that I might actually be type one instead of type two, like I was told, I went on Facebook and I looked for every group about type one. And I just started like blindly joining. Um, Shameless plug, yours is honestly the best. I actually ended up leaving almost all the other, I'm one Texas type one group, I think is the only other group I'm in because yours was just the most helpful and the most realistic and just the best community. Thank you. I'm glad. That's wonderful. I appreciate you saying that. And I'm glad you found it to be like that. Thank you. Because I like everything that I learned, I learned from watching what other people were posting from listening to the podcast. And I was so mad that I found out about it so late because all of these things, if I had known when I was pregnant, my pregnancies would have been so phenomenally different. Just because the information that I was provided was like, you have to eat this, you have to eat 60 carbs for dinner. You have to, and you have to bolus this much, no matter how many carbs you're eating. Um, And I'm like, oh man, that's fake news. I wish I had known otherwise. (laughs) So you were eating, when you were pregnant, you were eating food you didn't want? Oh, absolutely. Uh, More so with my first pregnancy, um, because I was scared because it was my first one. It was, you know, my very first pregnancy. And then to be told like, oh, well, you have this thing that could affect your kid. Um, I did exactly everything that they said. And I felt horrible. I'm sorry. When uh, they make you meet with uh, the like the the educator Mm -hmm. and um, it was a group setting. So there was like five other women all different stages of pregnancy, all with um, gestational diabetes. And they were talking about things to eat. And she was like suggesting these meals. And um, I was asking about quinoa. I really enjoy eating quinoa. And she had never heard, the educator had never heard of quinoa and had to look it up. And she's like, well, why don't you just have some some white rice instead? Oh, I don't think those are the same thing. And I'm like, um, and that's when I knew that something was off that, um, you know, you're, you're telling me to eat white rice for my dinner or instead of quinoa when quinoa is much more nutrient dense. And so the whole thing was just very bizarre to me, but again, I was scared. So I mostly did what they said. And every time I went to an appointment, they were like, uh, did you have more carbs than you were supposed to? Because your numbers are high. And I'm like, no, I actually had less. And they're like, uh, I don't know about that. You probably miscounted. Um, it was just the whole thing was so dismissive bizarre. and, and yes. dismissive and being uh, the uh, the what it felt like the asylum was being run by the lunatics. That kind of feeling. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. I listen. Yeah. It, Tasty, I'm a nice person, so I'm not going to say this very specifically, but I know a lot of people who have a lot of different jobs. And if you put me in charge of the world, most of them wouldn't do that. So I'd I'd be like, no, that's not really for you. Um, Your brain doesn't work that way. You shouldn't be doing this. You have no knowledge whatsoever. 
it's interesting how we end up listening to people because of the job they have. And I don't get to, I don't get to know how they came about that job, you know? Yeah. So I, I, you know, you could be sitting in a room with a person who barely got through their education and then whose mom knew a person at a place that got him a job doing a thing. And now you're sitting there pregnant, listening to them about what to eat. You don't know how it yeah. happens. And I, I don't I don't mean to be distrustful. Like, I'm not saying that there are plenty of people who do an amazing job in medical places and, and everywhere in the world. But I mean, we, we I, I don't know. I, I said this to somebody the other day, like you go to the tire shop, you expect people to like know about tires. And when they not when they don't like you should get in your car and drive away, not not yeah. not go. Oh, I hope this works out. OK, <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I'm glad. good for you, by the way. Is this always your personality or did you find the balls for this when you got diabetes? I think this has always been somewhat my personality, but getting diabetes really highlighted it that I'm not going to do what somebody says just because you're, quote, a person of authority. Um, if I don't agree with what you're saying, um, because with my second pregnancy, I did not do any of the things they told me to do and had a much better pregnancy and a very healthy baby. I wish you could see me. I'm holding my hands over my head in celebration. I feel lovely. It's my birthday. Did you know that, Tacey? You get to I record. Did not. Yes, you get to Happy record. Happy birthday! Thank you. I'm older, um, and I just just hearing you talk like that, and knowing that you're a person who started where you did and so quickly got to where you are. Like to be like aggressive about caring for yourself. Um, I feel like great for you. It's just, I, I hope everybody listening is thinking I should do that too. Like I should take over and, and, and take control of what's happening to me. I, I really am just that I felt elated while you were saying that I really, I'm thrilled for you. Um, Thank you. You know, no, hundred percent. So, okay. So you're on, I'm sorry, I'm jumping around, but your ADHD brain probably loves this. So who cares? Um, it's amazing. <laughs> she's like, finally, someone talks in my flow. So you're on the dash pod now. Uh, not now, but back then, and mm-hmm. you're you're bouncing around. You're starting to figure it out. Do you ever get it to a spot where there's stability and you're not chasing your blood sugars around? Yeah, so I, I get to a much better place on the dash. My biggest problem is having a few overnight lows, mm-hmm. but everything is so much better. I am feeling so much better. Yeah. And feel like, okay, like, hey, I kind of have a handle on this and kind of know what I'm doing now. I'm eating the foods that I normally eat and enjoy, like quinoa and watermelon and, um, you know, and and things are good. But then I start seeing ads for the Omnipod 5. And I had heard about, like, algorithm and looping and stuff. I had actually started looking into doing a DIY loop. And then I got a little, I don't want to say scared. I got a little nervous because it sounds, it's a lot like to get it set up and to get it built out. Sure. And then like, if it doesn't work and what if I do something wrong and, and what if, if, what if it malfunctions? So I was a little hesitant to do DIY looping. Um, So then when I heard about the Omnipod five, I was like, Oh, this will be great. This will solve all my problems. Um, I get the best of both worlds. It's it's going to be like more controlled and help me not go low and, and all these things. So got switched to the Omnipod 5 and my numbers all went up. Okay. What do you mean by that? So your A1C went up, your standard deviation, like what, what moved? The standard deviation wasn't so bad, but my A1C definitely went up. Um, and I was running way higher than I would like to, um, even doing like, and I was correcting all the time. How long did all you, the time. how long did you, did you, oh, I guess my first question should be, did you, it uh, sounds like you might've, but did you listen to the overview Omnipod episode about how to set up your Omnipod five? I did. Okay. And I even like started over to was like, okay, well maybe something, you know, Maybe I didn't do it right the first time mm-hmm. or something was off and like I wiped it and started over and it still was not great. So were you seeing what like could it uh, I'm trying to figure out how to pick through this uh, spikes at meals. Was that a thing? 
bikes at meals, bikes, like where I had my, my nighttime stuff pretty figured out before getting on the, like with the exception of a couple of random nighttime lows, for the most part, I was pretty stable mm-hmm. overnight. Um, especially if I like did the same things and, and like ate at a specific time and then went to bed, et cetera. Right. Now, all of a sudden I was running really high at night. Can you put a number on that for me? Like 180, 190. Okay. And, and this is at like 3 a.m. Gotcha. And before you were more, you were lower than that. Where where were you before that? Before I was like averaging up between 90 and 110. Okay. And your basal insulin when you were 90 or 110 in manual mode was what overnight? Just about. I'm trying to remember because it honestly has changed. What is it now? Because so you're you're running Omnipod five in manual. So what's your basal now? So my basal right now for like just like my basal pr- for the day, I'm at five point zero five units per day now. Really, five yeah. units of basal a day. And how much do you, can I ask you? How much you weigh? I'm sorry. Uh, no, not at all. Um, I weigh one fifty five. One fifty five. So at five units, interesting. Are you, hmm, what's your insulin to carb ratio? Oh, one to 10. No, I think I'm at one to 12 right now. Are you eating very low carb? Depends on how you look at it. Um, for, for actual like low carb, no, but for the rest of the world, probably. Okay. But like last night I had, um, a little Debbie Swiss roll because that is my vice. Hmm. Um, you know, we all have them. So yeah, um, I do eat You're like on, regular things. It's po- um, it's possible this episode will be called on a Swiss roll. Um, ooh, I like that. <laughs> so okay, because it wouldn't let be- me go ahead. Add some color though, yeah. Um, because um, things have so when when we first booked this episode, I was just type one on a on the Omnipod five. Mm-hmm. So and. And I think we booked this like a year ago. I've been anxiously waiting, by the way, counting so, on the days. I apologize, but thank you. <laughs> and so things have changed. Um, so obviously I'm still type one. Um, in November, my endo started me on Ozempic. Okay. That's a good that's a good bit of, of information. Okay. <laughs> I could I could see the wheels turning and you're like, wait I'm, a minute, something's not adding up None of this doesn't here. make sense. You're not using enough, like there's not enough insulin here for your body weight. I'm like trying to figure out where it's happening. Like I thought maybe you were like over crazy bowling. Like I thought you were going to say something like my insulin to carb ratio, Scott, is one to three. And, and I would have been like, oh, we should maybe get some more of it into your basil. And like maybe you'll be a little better, but you're on Ozempic. Okay. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. How long have you been on Ozempic? Um, I've been on Ozempic since September. September? September of 22. December. I'm counting. January, February, March, April, May, June. Oh, like 11 months. Mm -hmm. Okay. I probably could. And I lost. Go ahead. 35 pounds. Whoa. Good for you. Congratulations. Thank Um, you. We're going to talk about that and then we're going to loop back around and see if we can figure out how that's impacting your insulin pump. So, um, because you're the first person I've spoken to who's on, who's type one and using Ozempic. Uh, are you out of pocket by the way for it? Are you paying cash? I, I am not. I have no idea how the endo got Shh, don't, well, maybe my we insurance to cover it. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't but jinx also, you or something. <laughs> I will say my, I, the interest. So I have, it's like Anthem Blue Cross Blue Shield, but mm-hmm. I'm on the high deductible thing. And it's, as a type one, it is probably the best insurance I could ever have. Um, I get it through my job, so I don't pay a premium. I just have to pay my deductible, which is $3,000, which as a type one, I meet my deductible in January. Oh, are you kidding? Like usually January 15th. I'm like, oh, we're clear. It's good. It takes like one order of pods or Dexcoms or something like that. And I'm like, oh, it's all good now. I've given away all my money. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. So I have to go back to the beginning. I feel I feel like this is a like a Quentin Tarantino movie, and now people are alive that that were already dead, but were alive previously. I feel like we're going backwards. Who asks about Ozempic? You were a doctor, so the doctor had been talking to me about my weight, that my endo, and I'm like, look, these are all the things that I'm doing. 
I am trying all of the things. The only time in my adult life that I have been able to lose a significant amount of weight right before I was diagnosed as type one. And that is looking back, that weight loss probably had nothing to do with me. Yeah, DKA probably. DK, yeah, going into DKA. Right. And so I was just like, look, this is what I'm eating. This is what I'm doing. I am not losing weight. I also have Hashimoto's. Um, I'm doing all these things like, what else should I be doing? Are there supplements I need to be taking? Like, what do I need to be doing? You know, it's mm-hmm. like, and she's like, well, do you want to try some Ozempic? I don't know if we could get it approved or not, but we could try it. And I'm like, sure. At this point, I will do anything because everything that I'm trying is not working. Okay. Hey, real quick. What's your TSH? Uh, my TSH currently is, that's the one thing I didn't write down. I made like all these notes. I have this whole Word document of all these notes. You're doing great, um, by the way. I appreciate everybody who's prepared for the podcast. Um, can you guess? Here, one second. I'm almost to my... Oh, in your uh, app? My TS, yeah. My TSH. Um, so right now, it's 3.46. Uh-huh. But those lab results are from May and um, January through... About March, April were very weird months for my family. My mom in February, my mom got bacterial meningitis. Oh my gosh. And she's fine. Okay. Um, yeah. amazingly, she's a walking talking miracle. Um, but she was in the hospital for a really long time. Um, when she first started in the hospital, she was um she lives about 150 miles, two and a half hour drive for me. So she was in the hospital in another town. So I was driving back and forth while she was in the ICU. And then my siblings and I got her transferred to here to San Antonio um, to get her into a better facility. Um, and that made all the difference. Um, she has like hardly any deficits. It mm. is. Yeah, it was one of the most probably the, like. I, so I'm an adult. I've had two children and watching my mom go through. That was probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. She's she's good. Cool. But why yeah. what does that got to do with your 3.46 TSH? Um, I was not taking my meds, I was not eating, uh, I was not daisy, sleeping. Daisy, 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 daisy. It's just a little pill once a day. I feel like I'm talking to Arden now. Just put it in your mouth when you wake up. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I know that's not I, how it works, but um, so you think the 3.46 is because you weren't taking your meds, then you got a blood test? Yeah. Okay. Because that's too high. You know that. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I was going to say, please tell your endo you'd like to manage your TSH under two. Um, but, you know, you want to be, I mean, you want to be as low as you can be without being hyper. And, you know, one point something, you know, in that range is amazing. I think sometimes people think it's low because it's under the bottom of the range on their blood test. Do you know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, you know that you're taking it again, please. I, I am. So this is what I don't understand. And maybe this is just on my brain because with type one, I have never missed, even when I was doing like MBI, I never missed a shot. I never mm-hmm. anything. I was so like, but with the thyroid pills, it's like, oh, I have to take them. But then I feel so good when I'm taking them consistently and my TSH is lower. And then I go, I go through these cycles. I'm really working on it. Um, I am taking them regularly now, um, but I'll go through these cycles where I'll forget and I won't take them at all for a really long time. And then I will feel like complete and utter trash. Yes. Yeah, and I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me. I'm so tired. I'm so, and then I'm like, oh, I need to take my pills. Yeah. My thyroid doesn't work. Um, yeah. So I've seen people do it. I mean, doctor tells Arden, take it in the morning. So Arden used to be this person who was like, look, I can't remember to take it in the morning, so I'll take it before I go to bed. And it and what we thought at the time was at least she's actually consistently taking it. So mm-hmm. we let that happen. And then as she's gotten older and visited the doctor by herself, you know, a little more or been, you know, a little older when she's in the appointments. And the doctor's like, I really wish you would take it in the morning, Arden. And, and she's like, OK, I will. And she switched. So now she gets up in the morning. It's like by her bedside. She wakes up, takes it with water. She's done. So I think it's about, I think it's planning, Tacey, is what I was trying to get at. Like, I just think you have to have a plan. Like, even 
I'll talk about this a little later. But anyway, get a plan, get your t- take that pill every day, please, because that in that impacts your your insulin, how your insulin works too, not just how you feel. So, um, but anyway, so now we're, I'm sorry, we are really jumping around, but it doesn't feel like jumping around to me either. So I'm good. So the doctor offers you exempic. Somehow your insurance company does the opposite of what insurance companies usually do. And just is like, sure, we'll help you. And you, and you, you, you ramp up on ozempic. You've been using it for 11 months is a long time. Uh, are you still losing weight or has it plateaued? It, it has plateaued. Okay. Are you doing anything extra, like exercising, which, by the way, would work better if you were taking your Synthroid, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you took care of your mom. You took care of your mom, Tacey. Now I'm going to take care of you. <laughs> um, so so um, I, I would like to exercise. Um, if I'm being perfectly honest. Yeah. So, so when I started taking Ozempic, I was taking all my stuff regularly. I was exercising and I felt so great. Um, then we all got COVID. Did not feel super great, super tired. Um, and so then I was like, okay, like we just need to get through the holidays now. And I'm going to get everything back on track. Got through the holidays, was just starting to get things back on track. Then everything happened with my mom. I'm still trying to get back on track from that because... This is what life looks like. I understand. So, yes. How has it impacted your hunger? So I think of it too. So uh, you listen to this podcast, right? But I'm taking Wegovy. Okay. I just took my last 1.7 Wegovy yesterday. So I have all my empty pens in front of me. Hold on a second. Um, so Wegovy is Ozempic. It's the same exact drug. It's branded differently. It's, uh, they brand it Wegovy for weight loss, Ozempic for type 2. So it looks like I have had four, eight, 12. I've taken 16. Inj- I've been on this 16 weeks. That's what I was trying to figure out. I've lost 25 pounds. And wow. um, it's legit the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. Uh, because I was not an overeater. I was not a person who ate incredibly terribly. Um, I wasn't really a food person. I just always would go through life like telling people, I don't know how to explain it. It feels like my body doesn't work right. Like yeah. th- that's how it always felt to me. I was like, I could eat like, you know, I could eat low carb and I would lose water weight. Like, you know what I mean? Like I could drop 10 pounds and I'd look at myself and see that I'm not like as swollen or something like that. But then if I kept eating like that, it just didn't keep happening. Um, you know, it just, it never sort of went away. I'm hearing now from people that they're starting to look at research that says that it's possible people could be like GLP deficient. Almost, yeah. almost like you are with your thyroid, right? Like make, maybe you just aren't making enough thyroid hormone or maybe you're not using it correctly. And maybe that could be the same for GLP for people because I don't know how to explain it, but I lost weight very quickly. Like the doctor's like, here, you're going to use this. You're not going to lose any weight in the beginning. End of the first week, I was like, I've lost four pounds. Like, you know, and, but it did hit me in my mind. So I think of hunger now in two different ways. I think of hunger in my head and hunger in my stomach. And like, so a physical hunger and a mental hunger, I do not have either of those anymore. Do you have any of that impact? Yeah. Um, one of the things, and I think maybe this was more because of the type one, because I was reading about the the GLP stuff with type one that, that basically you're, you're, you're because of your pancreas and all that whole situation. I'm probably not going to explain this very Succinctly, but that your body doesn't know that it's full. Um, and so I would eat a lot. And I remember at one point, my husband and I talking about it because when we were dating and in college, we could go and split like a triple hamburger and a large fry, and we would both walk away full. Yeah. And now I like prior to all this, I could eat the triple hamburger myself and still be like, oh, I'm still a little snacky. Yeah. And I knew that that wasn't right for my body, that the fact that I was eating like, but also I am not very good about eating like consistently, like the whole like have breakfast, have lunch, have dinner. Mm-hmm. I would be more like, I'm not going to eat all day. And then now I'm so hungry. I need to eat like everything in the fridge. Yeah. Well, I still need a deficit, a caloric deficit to lose weight. Like the last, I'm going to tag on to what you said earlier. So, 
the last few weeks of my life have been strange too. My mom passed away a few weeks ago. And so I've been on planes and, you know, visiting people and people have been coming to my house and everything's different. But when I get up in the morning and I have a yogurt and an egg and, you know, maybe like a little wrap or something and then have like a little light lunch, have a soup at dinner. I'm, I'm mindfully trying to keep my calories down because what I've learned about the, the Wegovi or Ozempic, the, you know, the semaglutide basically is that it, my brain doesn't think it's hungry. Like I'll never think I'm hungry. Uh, my stomach never feels like rumbly or like, Oh, like hollow. Like I don't have that mm -hmm. anymore. Right. But if I want to eat, I can, and I can eat more than I thought I could when I started on Wegovy. Like at the beginning, I, you feel full right away, but then you start learning like, Oh, it's fatty food that makes me feel like this or, mm -hmm. de or dense stuff. Like there are ways to eat things that your body can process a little simpler. And so you could eat more. So you still have to stop yourself from overeating. You know what I mean? Because, yeah, I mean, I've been alive today. I've been alive 52 years, almost exactly, almost at the hour. I know that people overeat, like not just me. Like we eat when we're not hungry for reasons mm -hmm. that, you know, I think we all know. But so I have to mindfully do that. Like we had a bunch of people over, we made food, and I was like, well, I'm not going to eat a ton of this, um, you know, or like cookies, the refreshed cookies in the house because we're a bunch of people here. And I thought, oh, I could keep eating these like I could, but I don't mm -hmm. I don't want to. Also, has the flavor of food changed for you at all? It's not so much the flavor, but things that so like now I do get heartburn sometimes, mm -hmm. which that never happened before. Like I because your digestion is slower yeah yeah do you get um yeah and it's heartburn like the next like the middle of the night early the next morning right. from something i had like late afternoon yeah, yeah oh i've definitely figured out that eating after six o'clock i can't i just almost can't do it or or it has to be like a very simple like food that breaks down quickly because if, yeah. if I try to eat something heavier at night, even if I feel fine the whole time, as soon as I lay down, I get I could get heartburn. So I figured out how to get a. I was getting heartburn in the beginning of this. I figured out how not to do it. Cut like any fatty things out, like that kind of stuff. Even like um, protein at night, uh, beef or chicken, like that's it needs to be earlier in the day. Yeah. And but my biggest problem here, Tacey, we'll, we'll really talk now. Did you get constipated at any point? Oh my gosh. Yes. Okay. That, so, so like everybody was saying that, that you would have like diarrhea and nausea and I didn't have any of those things, but I did get constipated, but also I was not drinking nearly enough water. Okay. Yeah. Because it's also, it's a little hard to do that even like you have to yeah. mindfully drink and eat because your, your body is not telling you in any way, shape or form, Hey, you're thirsty or you're hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I was using for, for the first 12 weeks, I was using uh, magnesium oxide and that was keeping everything moving the way I wanted it to. But in the last couple of weeks on this 1.7, I was like, oh, it's not working. So I'm trying to d drink more water and I was taking, and I'm taking a little bit of fiber too. Cause, because the minute, the minute you get constipated on this, it, I don't, I don't know another way to say this. It feels like, I can't believe I'm going to say this like this, but it feels like your sink is backed up and the food's coming out the top. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Right. Like, like you can feel full in the middle of your chest in a way that you didn't like, you're like, is it stopping in my like esophagus? <laughs> like, like, and I don't think that's what's happening, but it feels like, it just feels like it's getting too high. Like the food inside yeah. of you is getting too high and you're not eating very much, which is kind of fascinating. But anyway. I've lost 25 pounds in 16 weeks. Uh, I have a, a bone chip in my toe. I don't know why I'm bothering you with this, but it it's free floating. And sometimes it gets into the knuckle of my toe and feels like lightning is surging through my body. Uh, so I'm going to a doctor to have that removed in a couple of days. And then I'm right back to my, to my exercise routine. Because I did notice, even if I just went for a walk for an hour, or I rode a bike, or I went outside and worked in my yard, I would wake up a pound lighter the next day. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think yeah. that the exercise is the next step of this. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. For, for certain. Like I, I think for certain, if I did consistent exercise, I would drop another 10 pounds in two weeks. It's, um, 
but but my body is trying to hold on to this weight. And it doesn't make sense because I'm I'm eating nothing at this point. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah. It, I just think some people are lucky, and some people's bodies don't work as well. So oh, but when you go on a Zempic twenty minutes later, look how I just sorry twenty minutes later <laughs> you go on a Zempic. How much do your insulin needs go down right away, and how much do they go down as your body weight falls? See, so I went on a Zempic, and within two weeks. I had to drop all my numbers. I'm trying to see if I have any historical information. I should have looked up. I should have looked this up in your phone or something. Yeah, I had to drop all my stuff. And then I actually at my last appointment, I asked, I was like, is it possible I'm using too little insulin? Because like this whole five units, five to six units of basil is like kind of weirds me out. I think it's the Ozempic. Because it's it's like I think everything just works better now. Like that, yeah, that I need so much less. And like where I would have like where my carb ratio was like one to five, I'm like now one to to twelve, one to ten to ten to twelve, depending on the time of the month. Which that's another thing that's like so bizarre is that since I started on Ozempic, I use even less when it's that time of the month than I did before. Yeah. Like I could almost like not like I don't like there's things that I normally would have to bolus for that I can eat and not bolus for. Okay. I think we're figuring out the reason why the, uh, the algorithms having trouble too. But, um, so my brother has type two mm-hmm. and I was like four weeks into this, we go V and I'm on the phone to him and I'm like, dude, go to the doctor, tell Mozempic, make him give it to you. So now he's been at it for a couple of months. Now he's starting to lose weight, 20 pounds. Maybe he's getting up to, and, but, that aside, he is looking at me and going, hey, look at this. I checked my blood sugar like an hour after I ate. It's 98. He's like, it's never mm-hmm. like it's never like that. And he's like, he's like, I, I can't wait to go find out what my A1C is after this. He's like, I'm starting to feel better. And his blood sugars are way, way better. It's it really is terrific. Like it, it's fascinating how how well it works. And I mean, yeah, like look, there's things about it like we just talked about like it feels like food's coming up out of my throat sometimes uh or i can't poop uh, but you, you just have to learn to live with it like not live with it like take it but like there's ways to do things that lessen those feelings like i'm not walking around feeling uncomfortable all the time like actually the opposite i'm i feel much better now that i've lost weight yeah you know, oh absolutely yeah you know, it's terrific but i think this is going to keep happening like, I think these are, this injection, you know, injectables, this the semaglutide, I think you're going to start seeing people with type 1 get it, because I can't say who told me this, because it would be like a patient confidentiality thing. But I know somebody who's helping someone who is cash paying for Ozempic, like, like literally like $1,200 a month out of their pocket, at, but, and they're type 1 their insulin needs have gone down 20% mm-hmm. and they're losing weight on top of everything else. Like they are just yeah. getting healthier in every way that that's me- you know measurable in this situation. But it also makes sense. Are you at the highest dose on Ozempic? I'm actually not. So right now I'm at the one milligram. Did you go I up? I think I'm going to go up at the next, my next appointment in August. You should be all the way up by now though. I think they offered at my last appointment for me to go up, but because of everything that happened at the beginning of the year yeah, and I knew like, not to change I stuff. wasn't like, I wasn't like, I wasn't eating. Like I, I just felt like that that set me back. So I was just like, I'll just stay here till my next appointment. Okay. All right. Okay. So I just meant time wise, you should have been higher. So you're still moving up. You don't even know where this is going. I'm using more than you're using. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. You might still have, do you, do you, would you be comfortable losing more weight? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think I, I think I could easily lose like another 10 to 15 pounds. And did you think that before you started or did you think like, is the weight you've lost now, like a year ago, would you have said, Oh, this is a good weight for me. Or, or did you always know 10 or 15 more pounds was the way to go for you? Uh, No. When, when like a year ago I was trying until I said my goal is very small. Um, so like a year ago, I was like, man, if I could just lose like 10 to 15 pounds, 
things would be better. But I didn't think it was realistic because I had always struggled so much and like losing weight was such a struggle. Like I could do all the things I could work out twice a day. I could, I was training for a triathlon and I was not losing any weight. I was not, and it's not just the whole, like, well, well, you're building muscle, so you may not actually like lose weight. Like, no, it's like nothing was happening. Nothing was changing measurement wise. Like, and so like a year ago, I was like, oh man, if I could just lose 10 to 15 pounds, that would be like so amazing. And now I'm like, oh, well, like last 35 and yeah, like if I could, you know, do another 10 to 15, that would be, that would be excellent. Tacey, I must've been lying to myself for half of my life where I was just like, I just need to lose 20 pounds. And then I lost 20 pounds. And I looked in the mirror and I went, oh, well, that wasn't right. That that number was not large enough in my mind. And like, because I lost 20 and I'm like, well, this is better. Like, don't get me wrong. It's better in every way. My body is shrinking kind of everywhere. But um, I still, this is not a good weight for me. I should weigh less. Yeah. You know, I was 208 this morning and I was like, huh, I should maybe be, my body should maybe weigh like 180 pounds. And I started this, Tacey, at 233. And that was, it's, it's hard to talk about because I took pictures of myself before I started. And then I saw a photo of myself yesterday and I look significantly better and not good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's a little upsetting, actually. <laughs> but. I'm not like, I'm not giving up. I'm thinking of this as like a long, long term situation. And I don't know what this drug does. I honestly don't even care. If I grow a tail next month, I don't care. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I got a tail, but I lost 25 pounds. So whatever. But it's, um, it really is making like a huge difference for me. It's, it's well, and I think it's not just about like the actual weight loss. I think it's about how much better you feel. Yeah. Like physically, like, like yeah, that you don't realize. Yeah. Like, I'm not as tired. I don't wake up achy. My back doesn't hurt nearly the way it used to. It's getting better and better all the time. You know, my knee feels better. Like, my joints feel better. I'm not carrying around 25 extra pounds. And you, for for you, 35 pounds. And by the way, how tall are you? I am 5'4 and a half. Yeah, you're a little person. And, you know, 35 pounds is a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's very cool. I, I just think that you're going to see more and more people on these. And they maybe they're going to be lower doses, like just enough to help with. Because you brought something up earlier that I, I glossed over. But that like insatiable hunger for type ones, that's real. And, yeah. I, and I've been watching people kind of talk about it in the medical space for a decade. And they never do anything about it. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, yeah, yeah that insatiable, I'm always hungry. It's got to be something to do with blood sugar, right? Like, oh, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. It all makes sense to me. Um, and by the way, don't run out right now and ask your doctor for Ozempic because like Tacey should probably never let her insurance company hear this. Cause I don't know how the hell you're getting it. I don't, yeah, I don't know how it was approved. Yeah. Just, but it's really helping. Oh, hundred percent head down. Don't say anything until they get it changed. And it is, I genuinely think it's going to get changed. So, like, this could be an easy maintenance drug for type 1s. Like, just imagine a once-weekly injectable that curbs your hunger, slows your digestion, which helps your your blood sugar, and is, and you know, because of that, lessening your need for insulin by, I mean, imagine if it was 20%. That it'd be, you're less likely to get low, uh, less likely to see spikes. Like, it, it would be an overall health benefit. When I started on the DASH, they, they were, my prescription was for, for one pod every two days mm. because it couldn't hold enough insulin. And now I barely put in like a hundred units for three days. And usually I have insulin left over. Yeah. That's crazy. So the algorithm didn't work for you, but now that we've had this whole conversation, why do you think? I think it's a couple of things. One, I think it's that the algorithm naturally is not as aggressive as you as I would like to be, or mm-hmm. as you know, somebody that that is bold with insulin would be. And so where it's like, oh yeah, you're you're cool at at one forty, and I'm like, no, I'm not. That's that's high. My Dexcom is set like high. Is any like when I hit one thirty five, 
I have an alarm and then like very high is 140. And so I think part of it is that it, it just wants people to be a little bit higher because of like their safety or whatever. And I think also it, it couldn't keep up with like my cycles. Oh, so you think it was having trouble with your periods? Yeah. And, yeah. and you are, but see, the other thing I was thinking is that as you're introducing the Ozempic, it's also changing your insulin needs. Mm-hmm. And you're not telling the algorithm that. There's no functional way for you to tell the algorithm, hey, I've taken an injectable now that's going to like lessen my blah, blah, blah and change my digestion. And like, like none of that can happen. Like, I wonder if, I don't know, like, I wonder if you don't get the Ozempic to a, a maintenance level, like get it up to where there's stability and how much you're taking and then reset the algorithm one more time and try it. That's my wonderance is like, I wonder if you could, like if the changing of the Ozempic wasn't changing your scenario so much, but we're not telling the algorithm that it's changing. Does that make sense? It doesn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, It doesn't know that. Right. And I mean, I get that your needs are higher. Like when? Like before your period or after? When do you say it? Right, right before. Right before, right. It it goes high. Like I get get higher right before. And then when I'm actually on it, I like dip super bad. Yeah. So you're like Arden. Like Arden's got those like four days prior to the event that are difficult. And then four or five days before the event that are difficult. And then her needs go backwards during the, um, during the event. I don't know why I call it the mm-hmm. event because I don't want to call it bleeding or and I don't know the right words. Menstruating? You, yeah, sure. That's a weird word for me to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is the technical term. <laughs> You're more comfortable with the event, but thank you. You're welcome. Glad to help. <laughs> Do you have any uh, other issues around your periods? Do you have PCOS? Do you have acne? Do you have stuff like that? I, I don't. Um, yeah. At one point, my endo asked if I possibly did have PCOS, that was like when I was early on diagnosed. Um, I I don't think I do, but the only I think the only reason she was asking that was because of um, I had a very difficult time both pregnancies getting pregnant and um, because of the weight. Um, but I I don't think like from what I have researched and read, I don't think that is true of me. I think they are like independent situations. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah, I mean, I was just asking. That's all. All right. Casey, is there anything we haven't spoken about that we should have? By the way, you brought good good story today. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. That was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole Ozempic twist. I was like, I felt like I felt like it was the 80s and I was watching Dallas and <laughs> JR was like getting shot in the shower. I was like, oh my God, we've taken a turn. <laughs> so. I really meant to mention it earlier and then I started chit chatting. It just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's okay. And then- and then I saw that I heard I could I could mentally picture the wheels turning when I was like, oh, yeah, I'm only using five to six units. And you're like, wait, well, that's not wait. right. Um, <laughs> wow. I, so is there a way? And so you're eating kind of low carb. See, I'm trying to figure out the algorithm for you because the algorithm because Omnipod 5 is not trying to keep you at 140. Right. So it doesn't have the settings. To, it's not it's not able to hit you right with the settings. You shouldn't be 180 overnight. Like, I'm wondering if. Like how you couldn't tell, because if you're, you, what do you think your daily total insulin use is? I don't think, think, I think you know, actually. What is your daily? So like right now for the, like my average, I actually pulled up gluco while we are talking. Um, my average for the past 90 days is seven is 19.7 units. All right. So 20 units a day, but you only have five of it coming from basil because you are on Ozempic, fairly low carb. And you're good at bolusing for your meals. That seems. This says that it's seven point seven units for basil and twelve units for bolus, but the twelve units for bolus is not accurate because that thinks that that's everything I'm bolusing for meals, and that doesn't take into account corrections. Corrections, right? So you're using twenty. So, hmm. So the twelve is boluses. Meal bolus is plus corrections for 12. Mm-hmm. Let me go to, let me go to, oh no, that's even worse. I was like, let me go to, to two weeks and, and see if that's better. But that, that, those ratios are This is the first time I really looked at it from this aspect. Um, So yeah, if I go to two weeks, my average is 
6.8 units per day and 15 point for basil and then 15.1 for, for boluses. So my thought is, and I don't know that you need to do anything. You're, you're doing really well. What's your A1C? My last A1C that I got in May was 5.9, which is high. I prefer it to be lower, but yeah, I mean, there's a world where maybe you could get two and two units. By the way, nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician. Maybe you could get two units into your basal out of your corrections. Okay. Maybe that would help you there. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not saying be 50-50 because that's what people say. But I'm saying if you're making corrections and they're throughout the day, not just around meals, then they might not just be you missing meals. Maybe it's just that your basal is a little deficient. And I mean... Seven units, 7.7. Hold on, I have a calculator. It's built right into my machine, my uh, my computer thing. Um, so if you're 7.7 a day divided by 24, I mean, your basil's like 0.3. That doesn't seem right still. I mean, okay, you're lower carb. Okay, the Ozempic's there. But if you just added, if you just took it to 10, I'm just using 10 because it's a round number. I mean, you'd really just be going to 0.41 or 0.42. You know what I mean? Like, so mm-hmm. 0.4, 0.45 basal versus 0.35 gets you those two units throughout the day. And yeah, I don't know. That's what I would try if I was you. Yeah, yeah I'll try it. Worth a shot. Are you ever disappointed you didn't try looping? Yeah. You think you could? Yeah, and I've I've actually been thinking about it, about like, hey, asking to go back to the dash so I can try looping. Mm, You might. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Also, I don't know that you can't get out um, Omnipod 5 to work for you either. Like, I'm not sure. Like, they're all different. Like, Omnipod 5 being newer now reminds me of when Control IQ came out. And for a while, people are like, this thing don't work. And I was like, what doesn't work? They're like, control IQ, it doesn't work. And blah, blah, blah. And you talk to them for a while and you'd see their settings were off a little bit and they'd figure it out. Or like there were a lot of like variability for like kids, for example, like my son plays soccer one day and then he doesn't the next day. And and I, but I do get the idea too about Omnipod 5 is working off those last couple of days. And so mm-hmm. if your last couple of days are, you know, right before your period and then your needs drop significantly, I could see where it could struggle with that too. You know what yeah. I mean? Because it's, it's such a it's a stark shift in between in between those moments. So I mean, listen, you do you should do whatever works for you, a million percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. For now, I'm gonna stick with what I have. Um, I would be willing to go back and try the Omnipod Five again, but I'm waiting. I I would wait until they link it with the G7 mm-hmm. because I developed an allergy to the adhesive on the G6. G6. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. G7 is great. Like, though. Arden's been using it yeah. for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've really been enjoying it. Um, I haven't had, I know some people complain about it, but I haven't had any problems. Um, every time I, I do a finger stick to check, um, it's always like spot on. I haven't had it like be really off or had any problems. Um, but yeah, like the adhesion was so bad. I did all the things, the, the skin tack, the, the, like, and it was bad. I mm-hmm. like I have scars. I'm sorry. From oh, where it, like chemical burned my skin. You can't win, right? Like they, the companies like forget Dexcom. Like the the companies are like, well, people are like, hey, I'm getting like you know adhesive allergy, and they go, okay, well, we'll make it better so it doesn't do that. So they like then people go, they, it falls off too easy. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're sticking things to our body. It's not natural. We're doing our best here. Is <laughs> is like I feel like if the companies could actually say what they were thinking, that's what they would say. They're like, we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. We're doing our best. <laughs> Leave us alone. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry that happened, but I'm glad uh, G7 helped you. That's really terrific. It's so yeah. small and fantastic, and like like right now, Arden's G7 is um, expired, but we're in the 12 hour grace period. Yes. And she's still getting numbers. And all she's going to do is like, I'm going to go talk to her after this. She'll put the new one on, leave it on for a couple of hours. Then when the other one expires, switch over. And then the other one will be pre-soaked and be working better when she turns it on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love being able to pre-soak them. Oh, it's fantastic. It, it, it really is. So it's, it's a wonderful step. Um, all right. Tasty, it's my birthday. I'm going to go to lunch. 
Yes. Happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you. Go gonna, enjoy your lunch. I'm going to hang out with my wife hey. and my kids. My wife took the day off and uh, my son came home for a couple of days. He had a, a little break he was able to make in his new job. So we're all here. We're going to hang out today, um, celebrate me being old, and then uh, he's going to fly home tomorrow. So That's wonderful. Yeah, Family nice. time is truly the best. Very cool. All right. You did a great job. I really appreciate you sharing all this with me. Is there anything we didn't say that you have on your spreadsheet that you wanted to say? No, I think we covered everything. Very cool. I appreciate this very much. Can you hold on one second? Of course. Thanks. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N.com forward slash juice box. Today's episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by the Dexcom G7 which now integrates with the Tandem T-Slim X2 system. Learn more and get started today at Dexcom.com slash Juicebox. The episode you just heard was professionally edited by Wrong Way Recording. WrongWayRecording.com A diabetes diagnosis comes with a lot of new terminology, and that's why I've created the Defining Diabetes series. These are short episodes where Jenny Smith and I go over all of the terms that you're going to hear living with diabetes, and some of them that you might not hear every day. From the very simple bolus up to feet on the floor. Don't know the difference between hypo and hyper? We'll explain it to you. These are short episodes. They are not boring. They're fun. And they're informative. It's not just us reading to you out of the dictionary. We take the time to chat about all of these different words. Maybe you don't know what a Kussmaul respiration is. You will when you're done. Ever heard of a glycemic index and load? Haven't? Doesn't matter. You'll know after you listen to the Defining Diabetes series. Now, how do you find it? You go to juiceboxpodcast.com, up top to the menu, and click on Defining Diabetes. You'll be able to listen right there in your browser, or you'll see the full list of the episodes and be able to go into an audio app like Apple Podcasts or Spotify and listen to them at your pace. Download them into your phone and listen when you can. The Defining Diabetes series is made up of 51 short episodes that will fast forward your knowledge of diabetes terminology. The podcast is sponsored today by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service and is 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 25,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. BetterHelp.com forward slash juicebox. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. And when you use my link, you'll save 10% on your first month of therapy. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. Talk to them however you feel comfortable. Text, chat, phone, or video call. If your therapist isn't the right fit, for any reason at all, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. And the best part for me is that with BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you. And you're going to get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price. BetterHelp.com forward slash juice box. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash juice box. Save 10% on your first month of therapy.